Welcome everyone, we are about to begin Besitz Hashem, Shalom Bayis, number 186. We're talking about um, how to handle disagreements and arguments and um, how to apologize, how to accept apologies. And um, if you're married to somebody who doesn't apologize, it's upsetting, but to constantly chase after them, to demand it, will usually uh, not help. And unfortunately, there are people that can't or won't offer a genuine, heartfelt apology, even if you deserve one. Now, anyone who's listening to this that knows that they have difficulty with this, it's very, very important for you to learn how to do this. But Kulzman, as long as that's not there, um, you could the other spouse could Xerox it, could tape it, could uh, send recordings. It's, it's just not going to work. And sometimes, by the way, it's not mean or arrogant or bad people that have difficulty apologizing. Very often it's very decent people that have difficulty apologizing. So, for example, um, what happens a lot is if one of them, husband or wife, is a perfectionist and they're extremely hard on themselves, very often they don't have the emotional room to apologize they may feel shameful inside. I screwed up. I hurt the other, my husband. I hurt my wife. And they feel terrible about it. And it's eating them up inside. But they have too much shame. I'm not being, again, I'm not making excuses. I'm just explaining very often this is the situation. They feel so ashamed that it's very hard to say, I'm sorry. You need a certain level of self-esteem to view they're less than honorable behaviors, clearly, and to apologize for them. Agav, you should know that very often, this happens a lot with HaKadosh Baruch Hu too. People have such a, again, we're not talk, we're talking about even decent people that are um, wonderful people and love Hashem and um, realize, recognize His presence and everything. They sometimes have difficulty, even in the privacy between them and God, to say, I'm sorry, I'm asking Mechila for this. It's hard for them to bring it out and express it. They need to learn how to do that. And um, sometimes the reason is, again, is because they feel the apologizing is very emotionally loaded. Um, and um, one person who wouldn't apologize to his wife or children told uh, Harriet Lerner, that um, my parents were always in my face to get me to apologize to my brother because they always assumed everything was my fault. That experience, you know, and then, and then the parents would say, you apologize to your brother right now. Or, and then when he said that apology, that wasn't a real apology. Now say it like you mean it. So in other words, he, was, he felt humiliated and demeaned by that process of her, his parents forcing him to apologize to his brother. So as an adult, he developed that distaste to never say, I'm never going to say I'm sorry. And if his own wife says you owe an apology, he'll withdraw in silence. He'll, he'll grumble, I'm sorry, under his breath just to get her off his back. But, you know, and again, it comes from those earlier experiences. Again, I'm not making excuses for it should be worked on. 
but I'm just explaining the various reasons why people have a hard time apologizing, not because they don't feel remorse, not because they, you know, there's a lot of them, these people who don't apologize, you'll see anyway in about a, you know, within the next 24 hours, the behavior already corrected without saying the apology. So in other words, uh, the husband knows he overreacted. He really should say, I'm sorry to his wife. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. He needs, and anyone listening now who has difficulty apologizing needs to work on themselves to muster that courage to tell his wife, I'm sorry I hurt you. I'm sorry I said those hurtful words. I'm going to really work on myself. They need to express that vulnerable part of themselves to ask that apology. But what happens, you will find, and the wives, many could attest to it, it eats them up inside. The wife recognizes this. And then the next day, they will reverse that negative behavior and be extra nice. Again, it's still not ideal. That's really plan C or plan D. It's better than not correcting the behavior. You're at least correcting the behavior. But it's important to ask forgiveness. And if it's hard, you really need to work through those things that cause the blockage and to force yourself to work on it, get out of your comfort zone, and apologize for when you really, really need to it. And here's where another husband basically told her um, that when my wife criticizes me, I don't want to apologize because I feel like I'm putting my neck out on the chopping block. If I apologize, I'm agreeing with her that I'm the whole problem, and that's not true. So it's also, you know, if... uh, uh, the, the the apology, a sincere apology that you give to your husband, to your wife, and then that partner is going to go and say, aha, you see, you apologize means you're murdered, that you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, and you just keep harping on it, then that is also a reason why some people would be hold back from apologizing. It has to be sincere in its giving. It has to be in, sincere in its accepting. And... Um, Sometimes it's worth it to have discussions about it, but don't get into a tug-of-war about it. And very often, like I said, if you're dealing with decent people, even the one who does not apologize, will use nonverbal ways to diffuse the tension, to reconnect after a fight, and to reverse that negative behavior. And you need to recognize it and at least say, you know, I'd appreciate if you'd say you're sorry, but I do see that you're working on it, and I want to thank you for doing that. And the bottom line is everyone has free will. You cannot always change the other person, especially if they don't want to change. Now, we talked about how tefillah could help. Even with Bechira, tefillah could help. Please, Hashem, soften the heart of your, my spouse so that it could be Michael, me, just like we save entirely, Bainu, love the Chaba MS, and so on. Or same thing with the tefillah, Sashla. Uh, on Erev Rishchodesh Sivan, you're asking that your children should be Yerei Shemayim and Erlich. And the question is, they have their own Bechira, but the Tefillah still helps influence that Bechira. So it's very, very important to do that and to re, re, to daven for your husband or wife and, and, um, and you know, whatever it is, to, to, to soften their hearts and that the Shalom bias gets better, and it does influence the Bechira, because everyone's panemius wants to do good, and that will help a tremendous deal. So that's another com- a, a concept. Another concept when arguing, 
Never, ever, ever threaten divorce. Don't use that D word. Don't threaten to break up in the heat of anger. It's not helpful. It's not fear. And you could do that to scare your husband or wife. You shake them up that way. And there's no reason to do that. You know, just because it crosses your head or you, it flies out of your mouth, you've got to be very, very careful. You know, unfortunately, people have these fantasies about divorce when they're upset, you know, when they're very upset about their, to the, at their spouse. They want to, you know, they dream in their heads a fantasy that they marry someone that does not challenge them and that are, you know, and the important part is, you know, is that uh, as whatever is flying in your head right now, you know, those fantasies, you know, because obviously when you're really having an unpleasant experience with your own husband, with your own wife, you say to myself, you know, I, I wish I could be dealing with somebody that's easy, more easygoing or whatever it is, but halila, halila to bring up the divorce word. And marriage can weather a lot of stresses, a lot of conflicts, without the long-term commitment being at risk. Remember that. Remember that. There's a Kesher, a deep built-in Kesher, that even with bumps in the road and even big arguments about major things and, and, and challenges, ups and downs, all of it, a marriage can weather that and thrive despite that. And when you threaten with divorce or separation, um, that really, really breaks it. Now, I talked about in the past that if it was done in the past, it could be repaired. Just make sure Mikanulaba never to mention it. Just make that 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 commitment. Yes, maybe earlier in my marriage I used those words. I will never use those words again, and that will help. And it's very, very often the case. So we're going to talk now just to summarize in a very abbreviated uh, um, way, John Gottman, where he was able to report and predict divorces with an accuracy of a rate of above 90% based on studying behaviors of couples. And here are the four, yes, four, four triggers that, if it's used all the time, very, very often is a indication that the couple's in trouble and could lead to divorce. And then the opposite is also true. When you fight against those these four concepts and you do the opposite of that. Okay, so these four things are as follows. Number one is criticism. Criticism is a personal attack on some aspect of your husband or wife's character or their personality. It's very different than a constructive complaint. When you have a constructive complaint, you're addressing a specific action on the part of your husband or wife. Okay? So, for example, if you, you know, you asked your husband or wife to do something and they didn't do that particular thing, so that constructive complaint could be, you know, and I really wanted this done. I asked you, you said, yes, you'll do it. You know, why wasn't it done? And I feel bad about it. You talk in a respectful way. That is called constructive complaint. A criticism sounds like, you know, how lazy can you get? You're really a nincompoop. You know, you, you, uh, you know things go in your head and go out of your head. And, uh, you know, you don't know how to retain anything. All these really terribly personally attacked criticism. That's number one criticism and do the opposite of that the second 
factor that really drives couples apart is contempt. Contempt can be conveyed in many forms. Name-calling, sneering, eye-rolling, mocking, hostile humor, sarcastic humor. Oh boy, you know, we didn't give shiurim yet on sarcasm. And there's a lot. It's a whole parsha b'fnei atzmai, sarcasm. But that's a very deep form of contempt. Any nasty or mean-spirited attempt to put the other person down. Um, you know, things like, you know, you, if she complains, she, he came very late and she says, you know, why were you so late? And he says, you know, what do you want to do, sue me? You know, so that's contempt. The third aspect that drives couples apart is defensiveness. The problem isn't me, the problem is you. In the face of any complaint, the defensive partner argues and counterattacks, brings the mate's faults and climbs further on a high moral ground like I'm above you. So that's very, very important to know. It's okay when you feel that defensiveness and sometimes you got to point out if you are right about something, there's a way to point out when you're right about something or that when your spouse said something inaccurate, you could point out the inaccuracy in a fair, normal way. But very often, a defensiveness is a first trigger when you know you did do something wrong. But instead of owning up to it and saying, I'm sorry and I didn't mean it and I'll correct it, you go to the opposite extreme and basically plan a counterattack. And you basically said, oh, you hit me, I'm going to hit you triple. So that's the defensiveness that comes, that creates that. That's another factor, and one needs to be careful against that. And the fourth aspect, which is really, really, really troubling, is stonewalling. What is stonewalling? A stonewaller turns away from his or her spouse, sits impassively like a stonewall, or leaves the room, and communicates that way that they couldn't care less about what their husband or wife is saying. And what happens is stonewalling often is used to protect against feeling emotionally flooded. And generally speaking, I'm sorry to say, us men, I'm a man, so I'm saying us as that, men are more apt to stonewall than women. Uh, In general, that's the case. Now, there are times where women have... Uh, certain abilities of manipulation and stonewalling could be one of their tools. But generally speaking, uh, men have this issue more than women. They feel emotionally flooded and they have difficulty expressing that emotion, so they stonewall. But the bottom line, after everything is said and done, of everything we said here, John Gottman reports that if a couple makes successful attempts to repair with a 5 to 1 ratio, like we said before in other shiurim, of positive to negative statements or interactions, then all these four aspects here will not cause damage or they'll be in very mild forms and it will be workable. So just to repeat these four things to be very careful, to avoid criticism, which is a personal attack on your husband or wife's character, contempt, like sneering, hostile humor, sarcasm, nasty comments, Defensiveness, defensiveness that creates you, causing you to counterattack and bring up your mate's faults instead of you owning up to your own. And the fourth is stonewalling. So we talked in this week, in this, these particular shiurim, about 
um, things you have to be careful when there are disagreements and you listen over to this and try to practice this and this really could be a life changer and enhance marriages in major ways. Have a wonderful day.